and welcome to Inclusion Europe Radio. Ambitions. Right. Belonging. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Sufiana Lamrani. I'm the easy-to-read editor and easy-to-read self-advocacy expert. We have two very important guests on our podcast today. And the name of the guests are Camilla and Eula. It is a new book about easy to read. The book has a lot of information about easy to read in different European countries. We will talk about this book. Can you start by introducing yourself? What is your job? How you did end up doing this book? I could start by introducing myself. My name is Camilla Lindholm, and I work as a professor of Nordic languages at Tamrik University in Finland. And I've been doing research on interaction with people with dementia for the last 15 years. And through that research, I became increased interested in doing research on easy to read. And currently, I am also leading a three-year research project on Easy Swedish in Finland, where we cover both spoken and written Swedish and also accommodation of Finland Swedish sign language into an easier mode. I'm I'm very glad you have invited me here. I am a researcher in linguistics here at the University of Helsinki, and my speciality is lexical semantics. This means studies on word meaning. To make it very simple, my goal is to find the easiest words for communication. Over the past years, I have also worked for creating networks between researchers in Finland and also between Finns and researchers from other countries. Not only working with researchers, but also academics and people working with accessible communication and easy language. I also find it very important to work with students who are interested in easy language or easy to read. And together with other teachers and researchers, we have worked with all kinds of workshops and helped students to create their own works with easy language. Who is this book for and what can people learn from it? I would say that this book for anyone who is interested in easy language in Europe, because it's not a research book, but it's more as an, as an attempt to give an overview of history and its situation and so on. And so we think that this book is a valuable resource for anyone working in the field and also a resource for students who want to write their thesis on easy language. As an editor, I must say that I think that one of the biggest strengths of the book is that it brings together the situation in so many different countries within one book. As, as many as 21 European countries represented in the same book. So that's what I think is really important. Exactly. I think that's one of the main reasons why we wanted to talk to yeah. you about this. I think that we are failing our listeners. We haven't mentioned the name of the book properly. <laughs> and of ease in Europe. It was published last year, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yes. And as you said, Camilla, it's an overview of easy to read or easy to understand languages across more than 20 countries in Europe. So it is very interesting to have, and it was, of course, why we wanted to have this conversation with you. Was the book written, and did you involve with intellectual disability in the making of the handbook? Maybe I can tell about the process, how we did it, and where did the idea come from? The idea of the handbook came in many discussions where Camilla and I were talking about the situation in Europe, and we realized that 
nobody had actually been making an overview of the situation. We knew that there are certain countries that had collaboration between each other and certain institutions who had worked together. But a little bit more than two years ago, we came up with the idea in Hildesheim. There was easy conference and it was very fantastic because the people who were at the conference, they wanted to read the book. We hadn't the book yet, but they said, we want to read the book, but then we had to write the book first. So I think that the idea behind of the book was that people wanted to know what other countries are doing as it comes to easy to read or easy language and common need for the information. I think that it is the researchers were very active in the collaboration part and also willing to the book. The information is now there and anyone who is interested can read and there are quite a lot of links to all kinds of resources so people can find the information. As you say, usually there is like a scattered picture of information, resources, mm. a, a cluster of countries will work together on some pieces. That providing this view across 21 countries is really unique. So what did you learn while doing the book? What did it teach you? So I think for me, the biggest lesson was that so many things are out there in Europe. People are working with so many projects and there are so many institutions who have those activities and so many people working with easy language activities. So I think that was the, the, the big surprise for me. In Finland, there is a long history of easy languages and in Scandinavian countries as well. But it was very surprising for me to find out how much is being done all the time. That was the biggest thing. And also I was very surprised of collaboration, the willingness people had to work together and share information. I think they learned a lot. I think that's really important that you kind of highlight that there is so many different initiatives across many countries where people work and easy to read. I think it's an important element. The main purpose is providing easy to understand information so people can make informed decisions about their lives and it benefits many people besides those who are people with intellectual disabilities. You probably stumbled upon that in, in your research as well, that many others use easy to read. We can talk about that a little bit later. But the second important element is that it gives a lot of opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities to find jobs, to have active roles in creating the documents, reviewing the documents. So that's a very significant part of all progress that, that shouldn't be lost and it's an important part of what you were describing with all the different initiatives. Camilla, what was your main takeaway from the book? Well, I think I did learn a lot about what kind of initiatives there are in different European countries because when we started this project, we didn't know all these people from before. We knew some people who were really active. But then we tried to contact different people. We heard that somebody was doing something related research. So I actually learned a lot about how easy to read is promoted in different European countries. So that was the most important take for me from this project. I also think it was not only that people from different countries learned what is going on in other countries, but we also heard that we started to find the information. This happened, for example, in Switzerland or Russia. There were people who had been working individually and institutions and during the writing process they find the information and they found each other in the same country. 
So we were very happy to let that. To make the connection even within the yes. same country. Exactly. Because I think, as you mentioned earlier, Milan, it's so typical that when you work in easy to read and easy to understand, there are different scattered initiatives. People don't necessarily know each other, even though they work or they are active in the same country. So I think this project was beneficial in the sense of bringing people together. It have also to do with the term we use. Like here, we easy to read, easy read, easy language, all those terms. So it sometimes happens that we just don't find each other because we are using different terms, different words for the same thing. That is also the name handbook of easy languages in Europe. The term easy language covers easy to read and easy to understand and also spoken easy languages. Mm. It's not only easy read or easy writing, but also e easy speech. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because that's not very frequent. It's a logical extension of easy to read, providing, for example, Inclusion Europe, doing easy to understand videos. But there's not too known how easy to understand spoken word work and what examples. So what are some of the things that you could highlight? Of course, speech, written language work in different ways. So they need, the guidelines need to be different. Whereas you in written language, you have guidelines mostly for words and structures. In spoken language, you need to have both those guidelines, but also like the importance of communicating, listening, taking the other part into consideration, guidelines related to body language. They are guidelines related speech, the pace of the speech or stressing the words, for example, that you can make your speech more comprehensible, stressing the most important words and so on. So of course, a different idea of the guidelines for how to accommodate your speech need to be different than the guidelines for writing. It makes a lot of sense. Do you have some examples of how this works in practice? Well, I think that's quite many people who actually work, who are active in certain areas of work. They do it as part of their work practice. For example, if you're working customer service or in caregiving of older people who might have some memory diseases, but there seems to be a great need for more researched information because I think that many people struggle with this. They find these communication situations quite difficult. Camilla, the best person in the entire world to talk about that because <laughs> last year got a great uh, research grant. She has a research project for many years and they are studying spoken language in the context of people with memory disorders. So this is really a new opening. It is not presented in the book, but this is definitely a new opening in the easy language area. Both research and practice. I think that we'll definitely see much more work being done on that. Another element I would take from what Camilla was saying is about the broader application. So of course, at Inclusion Europe, tend to see easy to read, works for people with intellectual disabilities. We always make the argument and others confirm it. Benefits people to understand documents and summary. Yeah. You just talked about in relation to spoken word and you basically mm -hmm. mentioned all kinds of people that would benefit or do benefit from easy to understand spoken word. So this element particularly covered in your book, what kind of different situation, easy to understand languages, benefit people? Is there any kind of research specifically on this that would show people prefer those versions of our languages? All kinds of people benefit from having easy to understand information. Yes, maybe we can say that they are very different with this respect. So understanding is that everybody needs in certain situations, like in healthcare, there is no need to produce a difficult language version 
and then easy language version. But the same easy to understand works with everybody. But in some countries, there's more that must be variety. There must be different versions and people must be able to choose what they want to. If somebody doesn't like the easy language, then she or he must get the regular one. And so there's a lot of variation. I think at the moment, there's not very much research we can actually, in the big picture, which is better. There is some research saying that the easiest versions are not for everybody. The different versions are needed, but we need to make much more research on this area. The current practices vary a lot. In okay. the book, there is one chapter about target groups or target audiences. And if you read those chapters, then you can see that there are really differences in different countries, a different understanding. And I think it's also based on the different histories of countries. For example, yeah. what is the situation with immigrated people don't know the country's language yet. So in some countries, they assume that people with immigration background learn the country language very quickly. And in some countries, like in Finland, we think that people with immigration background they need easy language mm. because we have such a difficult language that it takes years and years to master it. Which is one of the examples of how easy to understand language benefits varied groups of people mm. and goes beyond people with intellectual disabilities. How many languages is the book available in and have you explained any hard throughout the book? Well, at the moment, unfortunately, the book is available in English and we have not necessarily explain difficult words, but we have tried to avoid them and to make the book more accessible in that manner. But we do understand, of course, that this book is not accessible for everyone because to read it, you need to know English. And it's also written in standard language rather than easy language. But we have been discussing the opportunity to make an easy to read version of this handbook. And of course, we would be really happy if somebody would take on that initiative. It's almost 700 pages. So it was quite a lot of work for us. We don't think we have the resources to do this kind of easy to read version, but we will do our best to pitch the idea of making an easy to read version because we would very much welcome such an initiative. Yes, we actually had a meeting with the authors, discussed that should we make an easy English version of it and then translate it into all the languages. But then we also realized that in different countries, people are interested in different topics and different, different teams. So maybe it's wise that in every country, think what is important in our context and then discuss those topics. I think it is the case with many fact books or non-fiction books it is more information gathered from different sources and then made a book i would very much like to encourage people working with easy language to pick up some topics from the book and then adjust it to local audiences in local easy languages mm. i think that would be really nice or even make videos or podcasts in national languages and also national easy languages i think that could be a good idea to make it more accessible to also change the form not necessarily yes. make a book but to translate it into another format to spread the and as camilla said it's really a thick book it weighs one kilo and it's almost yeah. 700 pages <laughs> so it is not nice to read it, there's too much information well you're really doing a great job talking <laughs> about how large the book is and it's not nice to so i will give you an opportunity to do the opposite and appeal to people i'm kidding of course but following up on what you said about structuring it picking up on different 
themes, topics from the book, and then focusing on them and providing summaries based on individual specific undercurrents of the book. So if we stick to this idea, could you maybe highlight something that you think specifically for people with intellectual disabilities across different chapters? I think having individual people from all those countries telling their story. So in this book, we have theory, facts, but I think it would be very nice to pick up people from those countries and tell their story. What does it mean to country? What information is accessible? What kind of services I can get? How can I participate? Where I can use easy language? What is the law? What does the law say about my situation? And I think that would also help people in other countries to make the comparison. Why does John living in that country have those rights and those mm. options? And I don't have them in my country. So sharing information, because we do have countries such as Germany, where the law that people must mm. get information in easy language. And then in other countries, we don't have that option. Mm. So I think sharing that individual view would be maybe a good solution for making this information easy to understand. What you just described is exactly what could be a very useful view that can be gained from the book. For example, going through and seeing there is some sort of a legal requirement to provide easy to understand information in these countries. In, it's not the case and of course can be something to give further arguments to the national disability advocates something that they can have a look at and say look in five countries they have yeah. this and why don't we have that as yes. picking up on that one and you mentioned germany as an example and they have this kind of law and i know and this question is not so easy to answer since a lot of people often ask me i gather they are interested so i will ask you now on their behalf based on the book would you pick one or two where you think that there is something that people in other countries can learn and take an example about easy to understand languages and can both of you have a go at this from different perspectives? I can start with one country. I, of course, coming from my own perspective, I would need to say Finland when it comes to the spoken <laughs> language. And because we are in our country, we have ongoing research and promoting the spoken part of the language. So I would say that Finland is perhaps at the front when it comes to adapting this easy form in the spoken language. That's my one country. If you take the next, what would be your pick? Of course, I also love my country. There are good reasons why we can highlight the Nordic countries, the Scandinavian countries and Finland, because Sweden was actually the first country starting to do easy language work in 1960s. So we have a long tradition here and we have learned from our mistakes, hopefully. And easy language has been spreading in many parts of the society. But of course, I want to also say that no country is perfect. So I think that the best situation would be to pick up some part, some practices from each country and then make a perfect society based on different things. What I like very much is the case of Austria, because easy language is approached a, a bit differently there than in other countries because it is business-based. So they use easy German selling product. They are companies who make standard German to easy German and they are selling that service to anyone who wants to pay for that. I think this is a nice example because there we see that it really matters. They are not doing this because the law says it or 
because of goodwill. They are making this service because somebody wants to pay for that. The Austrian well, example is different to quite a lot of other countries in Europe by the style they are using. It differs to some extent to how many other sectors Europe are doing. Can you talk about that a little bit, please? Actually, this is true because in Europe we have so many German-speaking people. And uh, in Germany, there has been a lot of research on easy German, and German is also spoken in Switzerland and Austria and in other countries. So that I would say that market is quite large. Why there are different variants of easy German and different approaches, and I just say that some of them are better than others at the moment, at least. So I think that they can complementing each other and used for different purposes. In Germany, there are now different levels of easy language. It is not just easy language but one to four even different levels of simplicity so that people with different needs can pick up different levels. But of course, in all countries, there are practices that still can be developed further. And what we have now is something different that we have in 10 years from now. What did you learn from working on the book? Yeah. And what does it tell you yeah. about where do you think easy to read needs to develop? And how do you see future? Our world is getting more and more complex every day. And in the complex world, we need easy language. So we need it today more than yesterday, and tomorrow we will need it more than today. Actually, I had a look at Inclusion Europe, how it defines its vision. So there are some sentences that we could adapt to us as well. There's the sentence, we want a Europe where people with intellectual disabilities enjoy equal rights and fully participate in all aspects of life. I think this goes with what the future of easy language should be. And I think that in order to have good enough easy language and good enough accessible communication, we need research because we must, based on research, make the best possible easy language. We have to find the best context to use easy language. Maybe it's not for all contexts, but we need research on that, the future. We need more research. We need more practices based on research. I have been thinking about something that's not easy to put into words, but that's the point of tension between saying that everybody benefits from easy language and then on the other hand to think that easy language is the special medium for promoting inclusion, for example, people with intellectual disability. I think this is something we still need to study. One of my doctoral students is, is studying organizations that provide materials in easy language, where she interviewed them and asked them what their target groups. All of them said that the easy language versions is for all citizens. That's their, their, their vision of text they are producing. But on the other hand, of course, we must not forget that the easy to read language or easy language is a special medium for certain groups and in order to promote inclusion. So I think there's an interesting tension related to specific target groups on the one hand and everybody on the other hand. I think this is something we need perhaps to address even more in the future. Interesting point. I would personally address these two approaches are not mutually exclusive. There will always be situations that people will prefer the more convoluted and not easy to understand for various reasons because mm. some things are just hard to explain and everything else. Applied to daily life, the simpler the better. Let's say the general information overload doesn't mean that easy to read is the only way of providing this information. It doesn't also mean that it applies even to all people with intellectual disabilities. I think you talked about it a little bit at the beginning. That Inclusion Europe interpreted is 
not the only way of providing easy to understand information. That's one thing. And the other, it doesn't serve everybody, including every person with intellectual disability. It helps to get information to a larger group of people with intellectual disabilities and help them make decisions about their lives and, and be informed about society. But then there are still people who rely on other means of communication. So <clears throat> staying at that lane, did you like look into this at all in your book? Is there anything on communication with people who rely on non-written and non-spoken words or other means of communication? Is there anything at all? We didn't have a specific focus on that. Either we didn't have a specific focus on plain language, but in certain countries, the authors really did bring up those questions as well. Now, I cannot recall exactly which countries, but there was how to use visual pictures. That was an important part in many chapters. And to your previous question about for whom easy language is, there's also one interesting aspect here in Finland. We have been discussing that if easy language is targeted at everybody, then become a little bit too difficult. So that I think there's a supporting the idea that it is only for specific groups to make it simple and easy enough. So I think that is also one of those tensions that Camilla mentioned. And then this will lead, if we think about future, maybe to the situation that we have different levels of easy language, different levels of complexity. Some of them are really easy and then some are a little bit more challenging. What you're just describing is basically about an idea that don't think gets enough attention in the conversations about easy to read, that, yeah. that there is not one easy to read that would fit everybody. Right. There always needs to be made depending on who the target audience is. Even if I take it from perspective of people with intellectual disabilities, and let's say want to produce text about football. It will depend, the complexity, even within easy to read, will depend on, I'm talking to people who know football. So when I'm explaining them something specific about football, I can be much more specific and complex because people know football. Or am I looking to a general population of people with intellectual disabilities and trying to say something about football in general? And then I have to take into account that a lot of these people will not know much about football. So I cannot make it as specific and as complex as in the first case. And this is one important element that I think sometimes gets hidden behind the general assumption, easy to read, close it. There's always the important consideration who the actual target audience is. And think this is something related quite nicely to the point that there are quite many languages and also language minorities in Europe, also in the chapters of our book. I'm talking also as a representative of the Swedish language minority in Finland, which is about 300,000 people of the 5 million. Of course, the idea we could, when we Swedish texts in Finland, address these certain smaller target groups, but in reality, our resources are so small that we need to sort of make one version of the minority language that's targeted at to all 
people who need Swedish in Finland. Of course, a bit tricky because we can end up with a version that doesn't necessarily fit the whole minority yeah. population. Sofian, is there anything you would like to comment or ask before we move on to comments or questions on the conversation so far? Yeah, I have one question. Did you involve people with intellectual abilities when creating the book? The idea is written by mostly academic researchers, other people from the target audience in the writing process. But at the same time, we know that the people participating from the countries, they have very strong connection in their own country with the people with intellectual disabilities, people with memory disorders, people with immigration background. The book was published by the academic publisher, Frank Tim. So the goal would be easy to understand in that sense. Another aspect going back to what Sophia asked earlier about does it need to be developed or where it will be going. One significant part of this that we can see in different countries is using automated computer generated easy to read texts and now of course increasingly also with artificial intelligence is that something that you are looking at as well and what are your thoughts on this particular element of easy to understand i know at least a few research projects which are dealing with artificial intelligence and those language technology programs for making language easy to understand. I would say that we will see that in the future, but it will still require a lot of work. But it is absolutely needed because we know how much information there is. So how much is information that needs to be simplified? And that cannot be made by human work. We will need some automatic part first and then of course, human experts. But I think in the future, we cannot manage without the automatic parts. It is related to everything. This is also related to the levels of easy language. So so the need for the easy language products or text is so big that we cannot manage without help of machines. I like think the complexity and the sheer amount of information that is available and being generated every day, I think leads to a natural assumption that some sort of computerized intervention and it will be crucial if we really want to make this information accessible to as many people as possible. You also mentioned briefly the need to always have the human review of the products, which, which would be a critical part of this all for Inclusion Europe. One of the key elements is actual review by people with mm intellectual disabilities in our case more to make sure that whatever the computer produced can be actually understood by humans is that something that that you notice also across different countries this direction or would you think that based on your observation there is complete replacement of the human factor and producing such read well I not see that kind of future where there are no humans involved i think that there is a lot of interest in the automatic processing in many countries in Brussels, in Belgium, in Austria especially, but I think that the collaboration between machines and humans, mm. it's very much needed. Maybe in 20 years or 30 years it will happen. As I just said, one believe it's important that people review what was produced. Also, as the element we mentioned earlier about easy to read, providing job opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And as there are so few of those already, taking them away would be a good development. So I'll be advocating for this approach. Sufyan, can you maybe also see based on your experience how it developed during the time that you have been working on it and what do you think will be 
revisit to read in the future? I think from my perspective, it's changed a lot, but there's still a long way to go because to have a document written in an easy way to understand, you need to involve people with intellectual disabilities so they can change that. We can find another way to make it more simple and also use pictures to explain the sentence, which is easier to understand. If you don't have any pictures, text, it's a bit complicated for people with intellectual disabilities. Not just about understanding the text better, as you said, that's the element of being aware. I, I, that was this message there. If there, it helps me put it in a memory because I now can think of the picture of the house and say whatever the text was saying. You said, Sofia, that it's changed over the years. Do you have any specific take on what, what changes? There's a summary where we explain each difficult word, which I think is a good idea to have throughout a document because then a person can, can scroll down to the bottom and go, oh, okay, so that's what that word means and it will be easier. And that's what I see in the future, maybe a bigger glossary explaining difficult and not easy to understand. Where this is actually a very good example because we have been seeing here in Finland, just mm -hmm. the right side documents, for example, guidelines or some textbooks, difficult words have been explained. And also in the news texts, there have been like pop-up windows. So you can click the difficult word in the text, and then it, it will open a window with the explanation. Those are very handy. You, you don't even need to scroll, scroll down somewhere or up in the summary, but it's right there. There are different ways of dealing with this, and that is we work on some easy-to-read documents. Would it actually help, or would it make the text more difficult to explain everything at the same place where it actually appears? Mm -hmm. So, if it is a longer text about several difficult topics, or more complex stuff if a lot of difficult words need to be explained which often happens to us talking about the European Union policies and initiatives explaining everything at the same time would make it absolutely convoluted and very difficult to find your way through the text so that's when we opt for what Sufian was describing that we mark the difficult words place them for example, at the end of the document and people can seek the explanations there if they need them. In some cases, it's better to explain it. You mentioned it's possible to do it on the sidelines or when it's online as a website, you can do it as a pop-up window on the website. There will be many different ways, but I think all of those just show the need to be explaining the vocabulary. Sometimes you make the text slightly more easier to understand. Finding different tools and ways of making the information more accessible to more people. So let's go on to the next one. We are recording during a very different situation for many people with intellectual disabilities affected by the Russian war in Ukraine. Accessible to information is critical in situations and other emergencies. Do you have any examples of useful, easy emergency resources? Well, in general, of course, you can say that the situation in Ukraine is very sad and there is a need of providing easy to understand information on the situation. And we can see that easy to read media are struggling to provide accessible content. Now we are in the situation where we have been living in a pandemic for the last two years. And this situation has taught us about the importance of providing 
accessible information on urgent matters in order to make it possible for the citizens to make informed decisions about health. And perhaps we have learned about crisis communication during the pandemic. Hopefully this has provided us with tools for providing some up-to-date accessible communication. As Camilla says, I think that this has been the last call for governments that now within the crisis, everybody has worked out so that they understand that how important it is that everybody understands what is going on in crisis situation. Everybody knows how to act, where to go, what to know. Because of all news, those has been written in easy language as well. So it's important to give the correct information in easy language. That's the point of both cases related to what you're saying about emergencies, making accessible information about health so people can make informed decisions quickly and now you also mentioned the misinformation how it's often provided in very easy to understand language both things have in common serving a broad audience right at the point if you want to get a message to a large number of people as fast as possible because it's an emergency and you need to be saving human lives in some other cases that you mentioned it might be done with not so noble intentions but mm-hmm. the purpose is still the same you want to get people to reach as many people as possible and to make sure that those people really get what you are saying then you need to go for an easy to understand language mm. and it's something that will not spend five hours reading a sentence just to make sure that you understand what somebody was trying to say. And that I think sums up the meaning of providing easy to read information. We work on, need make decisions about their lives, be informed, can understand needing dictionary by their side to check every other word. Is there anything else you would like people to hear about your work or the book? Why people should get the book? That could be a good message to get out, like what use would it be to them? And then if you want to talk briefly about something from your current or future work. Of course, I want other people to read a book or at least check some of the chapters in order to get an overview of what is going on in many different European countries. I think that's the main benefit of this book. And I just want to promote the idea of easy to understand language can be can adapted to different media, both written language to speech and currently sign language. And that's actually an area where we know very little. And there are some target groups, for example, who might have various complex needs. There are people with intellectual disability who we know little about. So I think that's something that we need to promote in order to be able to create different solutions for people who have these complex needs. I can continue with the book. I think the main message of the book is that it is possible to make language easy and it's able to make communication accessible. Maybe somebody says that it's too expensive or too difficult to make it or it requires too many resources. But if you have a look at the book, you see that in so many countries it has been made. So I think it's very convincing. Maybe we didn't say that the book is open access. So it is online. Everybody can read it there but if you want to buy the book then you can order it from the publisher's bookstore but all the information is open access so you can get it from there then maybe i can say about my research we have had a project with Camille that we are making psychometric assessment easy to understand so we had a project on the screen which is measuring or assessing depression and we just made easy to understand versions of the screen
maybe everybody knows how complex all forms and screens and questionnaires can be, especially in psychological psychometric assessment. So if there's a diagnosis on depression, anxiety or stress, the sentences are very difficult. But we have worked with making that information accessible. And actually, we have promising pilot results on that, and we want to continue. We were working on almost five different languages. We were making like two levels of complexity, easy and then easier, and then translating them into different languages. So it was very exciting. That sounds really interesting. Also, as an example of, I mean, we've basically summarized it through this conversation, easy to understand language, access to information and mm. people being able to make decisions. What you are describing is another extension of having an easy to read or easy to understand language as a means of enabling people mm. to benefit from other services. Mm. Right. So to be able to have a screening for depression, the actual procedure being done in a way that people with intellectual disabilities or other people can take part in it. That's a, that's a very nice example of how this can benefit more people. So thank you for the conversation. Thank you. Thank you to our listeners. Remember, there are many more episodes on Inclusion Europe Radio available on Spotify, Apple, Podcast, or whatever you like to listen to. So subscribe and listen to them. If you have any feedback or questions about today's conversation, please get in touch. You can contact us on social media and send an email. Until next time, thank you, Camilla and Ula. Thank you.